Welcome to The Pod, a series of fruitfully interesting podcasts brought to you by Jupiter Group. Hello and welcome to a very special festive edition of The Pod. I'm Nathan Bagust, Jupiter Group's Marketing Manager and the host of today's podcast. I'm really pleased to welcome Kenny McLeod, our Head of Citrus, onto today's pod to discuss the history behind the age-old tradition of waking up to an orange in your stocking on Christmas Day. Thanks for joining us, Kenny. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Looking forward to this. So, in the run-up to Christmas, we thought it'd be fun to talk about the part that fresh produce has played in festive traditions. Do you know some of the background behind leaving fruit by the fireplace? Yeah, I've done a bit of research into this, uh, and there is there's a couple of theories. Um, one in the sort of recent or not not so recent past, and then one from from quite a while ago. Um, one is that it really started in the United States uh, during the Great Depression in the 30s, and obviously during that time, a lot of people were living very difficult lives, and and money was particularly tight. Um, that resulted in lots of families not being able to afford. Christmas presents and instead what they did was they gifted oranges um, which at the time were hard to come by so you imagine you're a a family in the midwestern United States a long way from anywhere warm at Christmas and suddenly you wake up to a you know a a delicious orange that's come from somewhere warm and tropical like Florida so a real treat for some of those kids and it was considered to be an absolute luxury so that sort of theory from from that period of time but further back a it sort of um, resonates with a a story about St Nicholas that was written in 1823 called A Visit from St Nicholas. And the story goes that um, St Nicholas filled stockings that were hanging on the fireplace and and disappeared up the chimney. So St Nicholas was a, he was was rumoured to be a real man at a point in history and he'd inherited a large amount of money. And instead of spending it on himself, he gave a lot of it away. And um, obviously these are very different times, but the story goes that uh, one of the some of the money um, was for a, a man who was very poor and he couldn't find husbands for his daughters because he couldn't afford a dowry. And the story goes that St Nicholas dropped gold coins down the chimney to help this man, and those coins fell into stockings that were hanging uh, on the fire to dry. And and that's where the this the sort of age old tradition of of clementines and oranges is said to come from because they are said to symbolise um the gold coins obviously being being round and orange that were that were referenced in the story so look whether it's true or whether it's not i I think everybody loves a story and a bit of nostalgia around christmas time um so that's really the the role i think in in more modern times you know it's it's a nice sweet treat for um for people to get particularly children and then obviously it coincides with what we usually experience at this time of year in terms of colder weather and, and people wanting a little bit of vitamin C just to brighten up their day and, and help protect them from the cold. So, yeah, that's that's the that's the stories that I found. And I think both of them are, are, are quite relevant. Um, you know, the people going through different different times of hardship and then and, and also that sort of um, story of, of giving at Christmas time and, and, and helping to make people's lives a little bit better. So that was the research I did on that one Nathan. That's awesome Kenny it's it's a really great story and I think obviously a, a lot of people have carried on that tradition I, I know that we certainly have in our house and of course it's a, it's a great alternative to those modern sweets and chocolate too. Absolutely. We're all probably aware of what Christmas looks like here in the UK but I wondered if you had any insight on any other part of the world Kenny? 
Yeah, again, I, I really enjoyed having a look into this. I think that, you know, in, in almost everything that I found, the key for, for everyone at Christmas is just to try and be around people that they, that they want to be around at, at that particular time. So even in the UK, obviously, there's um, lots of different, lots of people from different cultures who, who spend Christmas Day in different ways. Um, and indeed, across the world, it's quite varied as well. So I've, I've pulled out a few that are quite interesting and perhaps quite different to what we do here. Uh, in Japan, apparently it's become a recent tradition where people either go to KFC or book um, a meal out at a restaurant. So um, I guess people in this country eat out, but lots of people eat at home on Christmas Day or, or, or in a house. Japan seems to do it a little bit differently. In Poland, there's a big meal on Christmas Eve, and that starts with the sharing of a oplatek. Apologies to any of our Polish-speaking listeners if I pronounced that wrong. But uh, an oplatek is a paper-thin square wafer made of flour and water and that wafer has an image of the nativity scene and it's passed around the table everyone breaks a bit off and then it's all eaten um, and that's sort of sharing the treat together so that symbolizes the start of the special time over in slovakia and indeed across much of central europe people enjoy carp on christmas eve uh, traditionally it's bought a few days before and believe it or not the fish are more often than not bought live and left in a bathtub in the house before it's prepared and eaten and the legend has it that the scales um, of the fish bring good luck and fortune for the new year. So I think that'd be quite exciting if you're if you're going to be involved in that. And then obviously we think about you know sunnier climes, Australia. You know you, you hear of and read stories about you know people on the beach having a barbecue. Um, obviously Christmas falls during the the summer months, and indeed obviously across the whole southern hemisphere. And that's two of our, our big producing countries on on citrus and grapes, uh, South Africa and Chile. Uh, and where Christmas is really spent out, mostly outdoors enjoying the warm summer weather. So a little bit different to us if, you know, a lot of us are hoping for snow on Christmas Day, but just as long as it's a nice dry day, we can maybe get outside. But obviously in the Southern Hemisphere, the, the, the height of summer, it's it's slightly different. So, uh, yeah, lots of lots of different ways of doing things. As I said, it, I guess it doesn't matter how you spend your Christmas Day, as long as you enjoy it and you're around the people that you love and that you want to be with. Then um, I think last year in particular taught a lot of us that where you know we couldn't necessarily do the things that we wanted to do, so everyone just really focused on making the most of of the situation that they were in with the restrictions we were under, and I think that's the most important part really. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Kenny. So um, if I could just go on to our citrus orchards in Africa, um, obviously they play a vital role in what we do here at Jupiter. So. I wondered if you could take the listeners through our supply during the festive period and what we have to look forward to first from our South African orchards. Yes, so right now we are packing the last of the clementines in Morocco. We'll then move on to a variety called Noor, and then we move on to the flagship variety of the season, which is the Nardacot. So there'll be a little bit of Nardacot packing in week 51, and then 52 onwards is when we'll get going. That'll see a peak week 7 or 8, and then tail off towards the end of March. So uh, very busy in Morocco. Egypt, we started on our navels. We'll have navel oranges packing for about the next six weeks up until the end of January. And then we'll move into the Valencias uh, that will take us through the rest of the season. And then obviously it's it's a period of downtime really at the farm in South Africa. We've, we've got a long season where we run from, or we pack from basically weeks eight until 33, 34. So a lot of this, you know, the last couple of weeks is really tidying up, making sure everything's uh, set. Uh, the farm will have a couple of weeks downtime, some well-deserved time off. Everyone will um, recharge the batteries, ready to come back in January. And then we're on track to start packing lemons in week eight. So not really too far away at all. 
uh, lots of preparation going into that now. You know, we're obviously tidying up the last of the South African season, but very much looking forward to the next one. So lots going on. I think the key is that everyone has a has a bit of time off and, and is ready to ready to rock when, when the time comes in the new year. So, um, yeah, that's where we are. That's great. Thanks, Kenny. And uh, thank you so much for listening in to today's podcast on the role of oranges at Christmas and a little bit about our South African orchards as well. If you like what you've heard from the pod today, remember you can hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your favourites. And if you can take a moment or two to give us five stars in review, we'd be most grateful. Okay, Merry Christmas, Kenny. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye now. And to you. Cheers, Nathan. Thanks a lot.